I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. You ask, what is our aim? I can answer in one word. Victory. Victory in spite of all terror. And welcome back to The Other Club with the King of Nuance and Mr. Thick. For everybody not welcome at the club, you are with us now in the other club. And just for our listeners' interest, this spring you may have heard we are going to be launching our premium service, the Coalition at Liberty Coalition Canada. And that is for paying subscribers. And we wanted to add a little fun competition uh, because the mystery of this show is always who is Mr. Thick and who is the king of nuance. And for our premium service listeners, you are going to get a chance to vote every week who wins the title of the king of nuance. I think that's the good one. I think that's the one you want. (laughs) And then Mr. Thick is the... um, Maybe the brawn of the operation. It's your prize. That, hey, That's the one you're No, that is for our listeners to decide and for you to keep your mouth shut <laughs> about. But thank you for lis- uh, joining us, listeners. It's so good to have you on the new show. This is for Mike and I to have sort of unstructured conversations about uh, worldview stuff, um, of course, around the theme of liberty. And um, you can check out our show, of course, through the Liberty Coalition Canada. We are now partnered with Christian Week, who is producing our shows. If you would like to donate and support um, the work of our podcast, please go over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate. You can also find our shows on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, and they have a fantastic app for your phone. And you can listen to a lot of their shows, the, all of their shows there, in fact, including this one and the other host of shows um, produced by Christian Week and Liberty Coalition Canada. Uh, Mike, looking dapper, you just came hot off another uh, show with the Ezra Institute guys who are also on Fight, Laugh, Feast. Um, I'm sure that went well. That'll be dropping tomorrow. Uh, But it is good to have you on the show. Mike, I wanted to talk about, well, not on the show. You're my my co-pilot. You're Mr. Thick as I lead off with uh, the King of Nuance this week. But uh, Mike, just walk us through one more time uh, how we came up with the name of the show. It's a brand new show. We're having fun with it, and uh, we love the theme. So just let's dive into that. Yeah, again, uh, Winston Churchill had not been invited to join a prestigious political dining club known as The Club. And so it was kind of the inside crowd club. It was the elite club. And because Churchill and a friend of his named Smith, were too controversial, they established their own club, and with a little bit of cheek, they just named it The Other Club. And so with a little bit of tenacity from Matthew Halleck, a little bit of creativity from Tim Tyso, and a whole lot of people, personal management skills from me, we came up with the name The Other Club together. So we're really happy to be shooting this. And speaking about being excluded, you might think that woke politics and medical tyranny have destroyed the Canadian workplace, too. And you might feel like you're a part of the other club, even within the company you currently work in. Well, did you know that some companies are standing up and saying no? In just one year, over 2,000 companies have pledged to honor free speech and medical privacy at Red Balloon Work. And Red Balloon is coming to Canada. So business owners, if you want to fight top-tier value-aligned – sorry, if you want to find, not fight, top-tier value-aligned talent and you want to access a -a one-of-a-kind course and guide to help you build an uncancelable, freedom-minded workplace – and sign up today at redballoon.work backslash LCC. Again, that's redballoon.work backslash LCC. Job seekers, if you're tired of being feeling like you're in the other club with skin-deep cultural promotions and vaccine checkpoints, then you too need to go and you need to look at redballoon.work backslash LCC. And, you know, it's not just the workplace that's been compromised. Our federal government's response to the economic difficulties is just to print money until it's worthless, driving up the cost of everything, essentially stealing your hard-earned money. And so what you need to do is to take control of your own resources and be responsible for your own money. And Bull Bitcoin is here to help. Bull Bitcoin wants to help you. Become a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded 
Canadian uh, founded part of a bull Bitcoin exchange. And so we they want you over at their exchange and you know, you're all aware of what's going on in your country. You need to seriously consider connecting with our friends over at bull Bitcoin and being, uh, and buying at least some Bitcoin today. So sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com backslash LCC to have all of your question answered. That's mission.bullbitcoin.com backslash LCC. That kind of leads us into our conversation, Tim. We're talking about freedom-minded sponsors that we agree with, that we that, that support us, and we're thankful for them. And now you're kind of jumping us into this conversation about the broader freedom movement. So back to you. Well, as you're reading that, it just kind of brought to mind, um, speaking of Churchill, we kind of want to have him in the room with us. And by the way, I would say no less prestigious than the other than the club uh, is our table. Uh, but Winston Churchill said it is sometimes it is not, it is not enough that we do our best. Sometimes we must do what is required. Um, so kind of a driving uh, quote there to lead us into this topic of cultural reformation and reform around the liberty movement. And what I wanted to point out to our listeners, and this may already be obvious, and it's come up. It's it's coming up right now with the Josh Alexander story. He's been working with Save Canada, um, and of course, he's been tightly working with uh, the Liberty Coalition Canada, um, coaching through some of the activism and advocacy that he's doing. Um, but there is there are a number of tables in the Liberty Club, if you will, if I might play on the uh, the theme here. There's a lot of people in the last few years, I would say three years, that we've seen come to the public forefront, the public eye. Um, and we're going to talk about those movements today. We're going to talk about their approach to what we call liberty and ultimately how we can achieve what we call sort of Mike and I in our parlance, uh, cultural reform, which we would put, it, it, we would put liberty in the category of cultural reform. Uh, and that is just simply making our culture and society better. Okay, and so I just want to throw some names out there. John Carpe, Chris Skye, Henry Hildebrandt, Tamara Litch, uh, Michael Thiessen. I would put your name in that list, Mike. Maxime Bernier, my former MPP, Randy Hillier. Uh, we could go on and on, but these are all names that have become sort of household if you're a liberty-minded Canadian um, since the early months of 2020. So, Mike... I yeah. And Tim, for our for our American listeners, you know, you've got this whole discussion going on about the next election coming up. Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, yeah. you've yeah. got you've got you've got the the Daily Wire cultural, you've got uh, Tucker Carlson who's speaking about cultural issues on Fox, you've got um Prager U leading the way in a number of ways. So so th this is a hot button. This is an important topic across the spectrum of North That's America. That's right. I appreciate you bringing in the, the American names in there as well. And uh, one name I've actually listened to quite a bit is Steve Dace, who has kind of walked through a lot of the liberty issues from the same worldview that you and I would work from. Uh, the Steve Day Show. Eric Metaxas yeah. has written a letter right. to the American people. Yeah, it, it's people are talking about this subject. Yeah, in, in a in a heightened and sharpened way, uh, right? In in a way that this is some um, William uh, Gardner would be another or Gardner um, who was on your show last year um, has been writing about liberty and conservatism for years. Um, his voice is very relevant to the conversation, uh, but for some younger folks or folks who maybe had other disciplines, whether you know, I've, I've been a pastor, you've been a pastor, um, have, have taken a keen uh, view of this topic of liberty and society building and sort of the big cultural issues. And those names, if you're paying attention, have become uh, highly relevant. If you remember Chris Skye at the Young and Dundas Square two and a half years ago gave this long rant about the vaccine as it was rolling out and how they would use it. And he sounded like a nut job at the time. It was the most tinfoil hat. They're going to force one, two, three, four on you. They're going to make it mandatory. And he sounded like a nut. And it, he basically was reciting what became the um, federal playbook for the vaccine. And so a lot of these voices have been vindicated in a lot of ways. But Mike, as we begin this discussion, 
What are your first and brief reflections on the sheer variety of figures and events and declarations and tactics that we've seen in response to these world-changing events? We're talking, of course, about the explosion of relevance of liberty since 2020, since the COVID outbreak. Um, and then we want to talk also how about how we can judge these differences and maybe help shape the future of the liberty movement. So I just want to begin with your reflection on this variety and and how we should, what are your reflections on, on these names as I throw those out there? Yeah, my, I'm glad you, the way that you kind of turned it and framed that question that way. So, so Chris Sky would be a perfect example of what we would have experienced over the last three years as a co-belligerent, you know, uh, Chris Sky eventually kind of burned a whole lot of bridges with the rest of us in the movement because it, it was very difficult to work with him on one or two very practical uh, events. And, and so I think the first word that comes to my mind is co-belligerence, you know, in the second word that follows that up is discipleship. Um, when we thought, think about the variety, many people have said, well, I don't, I'm uncomfortable that you're standing beside so-and-so, or I'm uncomfortable that you're working with so-and-so. Um, and to be honest with you, at times I am uncomfortable too, because this is, this is a strange bedfellow as we, as we have, you know, all of those quotes from wartime about how, you know, you kind of find yourself allied and, um, you know, even just to bring Churchill back into the conversation, you know, when, when Churchill had to make an agreement with Stalin, uh, he felt like he was making an agreement with the devil at, 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 a, at a moment in time. And so what happens when there's turmoil in the culture is that a, a large group of people just want to go along with the flow and they, they, they just want to keep their heads down. They do not want you know, they do not want to um, draw attention to themselves. That could be because they have, they lack sin sincere thoughts and sincere, sincere beliefs. It could be just because they're cowards. Um, there's another group though, in these moments that rises up, but they also rise up for a variety of different reasons. And some of those reasons are agreeable. Uh, they look at the founding documents of a, of a nation and they say, based upon those founding documents, such as a constitution, therefore I know my rights and I, and I know my history and, and I want to make a stand. You know, some of us have a more theological, philosophical grounding for what we've done. We look back at the Puritans and how they, how they developed uh, policies and, and ideas for all of life based upon their um, serious desire to apply God's word to all, all of life. Um, other people get into it because they want to be famous and this is a great opportunity. Other people get into it because they want to make money. Look at all the Liberty groups that have started up, including ours, where we ask for donations. And so we have to be, we have to, we have to be honest and, and recognize that, you know, the thing can become an industry in and of itself. And, and, and we at Liberty Coaching Canada, uh, you know, on the Fight, Laugh, Feast network, those types of areas, we have to realize that that can compromise us too, and we have to be careful about it. So that leads us to the second, the second thought, which is discipleship. So the way that I've answered this question, Tim, all the way through, probably on our first podcast, we might have talked about this, is that I'll work with people as long as I am able to be honest about God's perspective on the situation as I understand it from his word and, and can teach people why we're in this and doing what we're doing. Um, it doesn't make it simple. It actually makes it quite a muddy space, but that's kind of, that's kind of my answer to this variety. And of course, this leads us to what we need and we, we, we need some better, more foundational unity of thought and unity of principle. So, I, I, I actually appreciate that you mentioned the, the variety, um, the elephant in the room, which is that it can become a grift. I think that's the word that people would use for this money-making um, angle. So yeah, when people see a crisis, just like a government will pounce on a crisis for control, 
people will respond to a crisis in order to gain followers or support or financial security, right? So I actually want to address that real quick. And this is a great bridge to the rest of our discussion as well. When we talk about structure and reform, uh, one of the ways you need to evaluate that is what are these organizations actually doing? And in terms of our society, this is a tricky one because messaging is only a part of, of the effort that we need to make in terms of reforming the culture. And when you see, whether it's Save Canada, they've got these red hats um, that kind of mimic the Make America Great Again. So there's a bit of a cultural meme there going on, a bit of a pop culture symbol, um, very clever, you know, in terms of messaging. Um, but what, what, is, what are these organizations doing beyond messaging? What are they doing beyond getting their message out and promoting themselves? Are they advancing in any way? Are they winning any? Are they actually taking on the issues and, and gaining victory? Okay, so the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom would be an example where we would say, yeah, they asked for donations and they're taking, they're representing um, liberty people in court and fighting unjust fines and so forth. And so you need to evaluate these things in terms of what they can actually do, not just what they say, um, because you can spend a lot of money on messaging um, and it can make, give a false sense that you're advancing something when really nothing is changing. Um, and we're going to talk about the idea of owning the libs a little bit later, um, because that's a false sense of victory as well. So, uh, I want to push forward here and I want to talk about liberty and reformation. So I, I want to go from, okay. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast and if you have been, you don't like what the federal government did what your local government did. You don't like how Canada changed. You see all kinds of coercive ideologies um, sucking the life out of institutions and sucking the life out of, um, you know, liberties that we've enjoyed in Canada for decades, centuries, almost two centuries now. And um, so you're already on board with liberty. We, we want liberty in general, but we want to push that further and talk about reformation um, and we're not just talking, we're not talking about if, if our listeners understand the reformation against the Catholic church or over in contrast with the Catholic church, we're not talking specifically about that. We're talking about cultural re reformation. So to, to reform something that has become deformed. Um, and so Mike, how, how do you pull these things together and, and maybe I'll lead off with something we've said often. And actually the scriptures, the Bible, which is where we get our worldview, um, ha reminds us that liberty or freedom is not autonomy. It's not freedom from all restraints, but it is the liberty to do what you ought to do. Um, it, there, there are expectations and there are guidelines and there are oughts associated with the, um, with the liberties that we have. And so uh, with liberty comes responsibility. That would be another way that I would put it. You, you cannot have both. And as you and I have spent a little bit of time in the United States in the last year, um, that hits home a, a pretty closely that there, it's more uh, free, but the responsibility is, is ratcheted up in terms of how you are expected to live and what, what is required of you um, that isn't being done for you. So uh, jumping from that, this liberty to do what you ought uh, Mike, how would you define reformation and how does liberty fit within a, a, a desire to reform our culture? Which again, I'm assuming our, our listeners are on board with, yes, we want to reform the culture, but how would you define that? And how would you bring the concept of liberty into uh, that idea to reform our, our, our country? So this is a something that many Canadians don't really understand when they, when they hear Americans talk about gun rights and, um, Canadians are so used to the, the protectionism of the government that they, they really don't understand the root nature of gun rights in the U S which is that a, that a that a responsible citizenry should be armed to be able to risk 
you know, resist a tyrannical government. And admittedly, I bring that up because what's a what what is there a better analogy for something that if you have freedom with this, you also have re- responsibility with this than the image of gun ownership. So, um, I've owned a number of of uh, firearms living in uh, Canada and uh, seek to own uh, firearms here in the United States. And if you've ever handled a firearm, uh, you realize the responsibility that you're holding in your hand. You know, if you if you ever take your children shooting and you, you teach them how to handle a weapon, you teach them a, about a range, uh, a firing range. You, you teach them about this type of stuff. You uh, you learn really quick that these are lethal weapons, and it's it, it you 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 need this freedom to be able to do what you ought. And what what is it that you ought to be able to do? Uh, defend your family if needed. Defend your country if needed. Um, but you are incredibly responsible. And of course, many people just want to throw away that responsibility and say, "Well, let's take that out of the let's take that out of our hands. We don't want that responsibility." And then what is put in place is authoritarianism. And so that, that, that's a conversation virtually on every topic. It's if I take up the mantle of liberty, then I have to take up the mantle of responsibility. And if I take up the mantle of responsibility, then I'm going to have more, more freedoms. But if I, if I, if I don't really want to be a responsible person, then I'm happy letting other people make all of the decisions of my life. And so th- I'm, I'm connecting this because, again, we are left with basic questions then, Tim. What ought we do? What is respon- what, what does it mean to be responsible? I, I have three answers just before I pass it back to you. So when, when people say, I want liberty, we go, yeah, you have to take responsibility for yourself. Okay, great. Well, what, is, what does it mean to be responsible? So if we're talking about, in theory, if we're talking about philosophical foundations or biblical foundations, you you learn a few things. So number one, when we talk about morality, the responsibility to be moral, that is the responsibility to be right, to, to be correct, to have correct behavior. Um, when I'm talking about responsibility then, and it, you go down a level, then if I develop a, 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 a list of ethics – then ethics are the application of the morals. So my this is my moral principle. This is I'm I'm stating this because it if I make this statement, it is a correct statement. So do not steal. And then ethics would be the applications of that in like let's say law or in medicine or in which, whichever applying that more specific ethics. And then we get to the bottom part, which is political policy. Where political policy now is even looking, at, you know, at a at a very specific situation in a, in a specific province or a specific state, and 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 kind of creating guardrails. And so, you, the, the reality of it is, is you have to have a foundational statement about morality to do anything of of good for liberty theoretically and then more applicationally and downstream reform. Right, Mike. So it's it's so key that you've brought up application of morality because we're not talking about theoretical liberty. We're talking about reform, which comes out of liberty. So that is the ability to do positive things, to actually structure your society around liberty. And so we have a structured vision for liberty. It's not, it's not a liberty that says, I'm not allowed to tell you no, and you're not allowed to tell me no. You're not allowed to critique my vision. Uh, that true liberty actually has a structure, um, a, a collective structure that is in place over a society to achieve a function. Now, I don't want our listeners to hear in that that we are actually collectivists, that it's, it's society before individual or it's group ahead of uh, personal uh, because we don't have a collectivist mindset, but that doesn't mean that we have an anarchist mindset or an autonomous mindset um, or a radical uh, liberty where, again, people are just free to act in any way that their impulses um, 
uh, would dictate. And that is not in collectivism, but that your society in its structure, in its structural expectations around liberty, that it actually gives maximum opportunity for individuals to be free for good things. And before we go on, I, I've read um, Alan Bloom in The Closing of the American Mind. He doesn't share our worldview per se, but he does write a fairly piercing critique of sort of modern Western culture. And he paints this picture that I want to share with you, Mike, just before we go on to what those good things are. And Alan Bloom says, picture a 13-year-old boy sitting in the living room of his family home doing his math assignment while wearing his Walkman headphones or watching MTV. This is written in the 80s. Okay, so we can sub in TikTok, iPhone, you know, all the, the modern things. He enjoys the liberties, hard won over centuries by the alliance of philosophic genius and political heroism, and I would say Christian um, political and civic structuring, consecrated by the blood of martyrs. He is provided with comfort and leisure by the most productive economy ever known to mankind. That would be Western um, economy. Uh, science has penetrated the secrets of nature in order to provide him with the marvelous lifelike electronic sound and image reproduction he is enjoying. And in what does progress culminate? So he's saying, and what does all this progress lead to in the life of the average young person, a pubescent child whose body throbs with these uh, pulsing rhythms, whose feelings are made articulate in hymns to the joys of oneism or the killing of parents whose ambition is to win fame and wealth in imitating the drag queen who makes the music. In short, his life is made into a nonstop commercially prepackaged fantasy. And so I think that's sort of a poignant picture of what we deal with in the late stages of Western um, liberty and Western um, uh, Western wealth and Western productivity is, is it has culminated to a total nonstop inward focused fantasy driven virtual reality. We don't have the structures. The liberty has not driven us to do the good things. And this is why I want to circle back to what I was saying about a society allowing individuals to do good things. To that, I want to go back to these ideas. Instead of this 13-year-old boy whose life is in this virtual fame-seeking, uh, which, uh, which again, I think is qu uh, quite relevant for our young people today, I think up to 50% of young pe people under the age of 25 right now, their ambition is actually to be a social media influencer. So Alan Bloom was way ahead of his time on that. Uh, but what are the things that we're seeking? What do we, what does this collective structure allow us to do? I would say work, uh, worship, profit and, uh, in industry, personal security, morality, uh, we could add a lot of things to this list, right? But these are the, these are the things that we believe liberty ought to allow us to do freely. And those are things that emanate actually from the individual and from the home. Those don't come from a collectivist mindset. And this is where we would separate ourselves from statism, that we need a structural, a societal structure, but we need those structures to allow good things to emanate from the individual and from other institutions besides the state. Any thoughts on any of that, Mike, as we kind of lay out some of the practical things that I think there's a bit of a vacuum for uh, right now as we look at especially the younger generation in the West? Yeah, just a, a few thoughts. First of all, for those of you listening who are listening with your parents and when Tim said uh, Walkman and then he interjected TikTok and, and other social media platforms, a Walkman was a cassette player and a cassette player that went on your hip. And if you don't want a cassette player was, it was a, a little thing that wrapped around tape and played music. You should get your parents to show you some of that. The second thing is uh, just, again, I, I want to, uh, again, I want to compete. And so I would like to put forward that Mr. Thick may have used the word collectivist three times trying to tell people that he wasn't a collectivist. And I just would like to reject that word totally. Uh, I love the idea that you said structured. And so I am, uh, 
the, the what you've written in the notes is really good, Tim. Structured vision for liberty. A society must operate according to a design and to ch achieve a function. Now, here's the key difference between someone who is a conservative, which is a structured libertarian, a conservative who is, is a structured promoter of liberty, uh, uh, for liberty, and, and a collectivist. It goes back to the original idea. It's not that we don't have... a, a you know, morals, ethics, policies, which means there's an application for life. There's structure. Uh, evangelicals in the past have been so relational. Everything is about relationship. If we don't have to affect any structures in society. We just have to be nice to people. We just have to relate to people. We just have to have um, bonfires and sing Kumbaya. Um where where you have most political activists are thinking in structures. Uh, they're thinking about affecting that um, uh, the the policies around land allocation. They're thinking about real structural issues. The difference is a conservative wants a structured vision for liberty that leads to all of the things that you just talked about: freedom, responsibility to worship, work, profit create security, live morally, start an industry, those types of things. The collectivist wants to create a structured society where the individual doesn't make those decisions and the outcomes are managed by a group of elites who doesn't care about the individual. So the word structure is your winning word there, Tim. And I'm so glad that you brought that forward because that's where we have to be really careful because there's two different there's two different roads that are that are leading down and they're using that structured language the issue is the outcomes are so different and for example one of the outcomes is you have the responsibility to own your own car and keep it up and Therefore, you have to pay for it. You have to work for it. You have to, you know, rather than the outcome is every so-and-so should, should drive e-cars. We want these e-cars outcomes. And so we are going to make all of the decisions for the consumer and all of the responsibility plus the pleasure of managing freedom is with the state. And so we've been over this before. But it's just so important because I think people so easily veer into collectivism without even knowing it. Like this is why the church is kind of falling into critical race theory or critical theory in general because they are looking over there and they're going, oh, yeah, they do have some structural things to say. I sure hope that Christianity has some structural things to say. And so they slide into that. Without realizing, oh, no, no, we do have structural things to say, but we have to remain distinct from being a Marxist. And we have to remain distinct. And, and principled in our structuring, not just adopt whatever structure and, is, is thrown on top. And Mike, while you... And let people fall on their face. Right, yeah. Like, and, le and let, like, there's going to be, there's, we're, we, we are going to fail. There's going to be other failures. You know, uh, maybe someone builds a house and you don't like what it looks like. Yeah. Like, Okay. Like, that's okay. While we're on the topic of industry and making good things, I want to talk about resistance coffee for a minute, Mike, um, because I've been drinking a lot of it at your house. Um, and I don't know if it's getting on your nerves or not, but maybe you should stop buying such delicious coffee. Uh, From my frou-frou coffee yes, maker? Um, it, it is very high end. <clears throat> uh, but I wanted our listeners to know that you can purchase fresh good coffee that will also support liberty at the same time because that's what happens when industry leaders are also liberty minded resistance coffee company is a canadian coffee roastery that gives a portion of every single sale to organizations that fight for the constitutional freedoms of canadians resistance coffee is small batch coffee which ensures that you're never drinking old or stale beans like you would find at the grocery store 
or other pagan-driven coffee branches like Starbucks. Get freshly roasted, specialty-grade coffee delivered to your door, which is fantastic. I know that's what you guys do. As often as you want it, and enjoy knowing that your money is not funding the leftist causes that despise you and that you likely equally despise. So drink great coffee and support Liberty Coalition Canada by visiting resistancecoffee.com slash LCC today. And when you use that um, slash LCC link, you'll get 10% off your purchase, including apparel and mugs, so you can show off your swag and your support for Liberty. So tell your friends and your family, get them to use the code, the slash LCC, and get them drinking some fuel for freedom. That's resistancecoffee.com slash LCC to save 10% off anything you buy. Now, I want to talk again about the state and the individual. So, Mike, we're not merely saying in the liberty movement, and I, and I want to unpack this a bit. We're not just saying to the government, go away. Well, we want less government because <clears throat> a lot of people in the liberty movement say that and agree on that. And there might even be some liberals in our country who say, uh, well, probably not many. But we're not just saying to, we're, we're not just saying to the government. I would love to meet a tr- like a leftist libertarian and get them on the show and see if such a thing exists. But so you're falling off your chair at the, even the notion that uh, that would be. So maybe we'll move on from that. It's one. It's one. I call you Mr. Thick right now for that generous uh, pastoral comfort that you gave to some potential liberal, which doesn't exist on earth. Yeah, I thought that might win me king of nuance, but uh, maybe it goes the other way on that one. Um, so we are so. we're not just saying to the government, go away. We want, quote, liberty. Um we're actually speaking in both directions. We're saying to the state, uh, you're infringing on liberty. You're, you're, squ- you're quashing liberty. You're creating a false version of things that you believe are free, but by the very, uh, by the very presence of your existence, you are negating. So you're, you're destroying liberty. We're saying that to the state, but we're also saying to the individual, what are you doing? And we've talked about this over and over again, Mike, back when we were hosting Dispatch, we talked about exercising your beliefs, exercising your liberties, um, exercising your faith, actually publicly manifesting that. So we're saying to the individual, how are you um, exercising liberty? What are you doing to create a prosperous and safe and secure and free country? Because here's, and this maybe would go back, uh, maybe Alan Bloom would agree with us on this. If, if the government were to go in reverse and pull back, pull back out of healthcare, pull back out of education, pull back out of, um, you know, um, all, all the restrictions that they've placed on us, all the bureaucracy that they've placed on us from licensing to taxation to education to all these things. If, if they pulled back, what would we have left in our culture in Canada? Where would the family be without the ongoing um, government uh, subsidization. Where would uh, families be in terms of education? Would they have a plan for educating their children? Where would we be in terms of healthcare? Would we be able to hire doctors? Would we be able to take care of ourselves without the state system? And my qualm with the liberty movement is it's not good enough to say government back off because I think if they really did, there would be nothing left. It would be like an empty gymnasium after a sixth grade dance where all the kids have gone home and all you have is garbage wrappers littering the dirty basketball floor because there's, we don't have a culture. I, 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 don't, I think we are the 13-year-old with headphones on our ears pulsating to our passions and basically desiring fame and indulgence while the government takes care of all our responsibility. And so this is why we're talking about reform. We need to fill that vacuum that we're asking the government to leave behind. Uh, So your thoughts on that? You can nuance this out a bit. (laughs) Uh, First of all, I I love your metaphors when, when you I think you draw people really well into kind of the problem. And so let's go with that basketball analogy just where the you know the fans and the team has all left and and you're left with an empty stadium i think i first want everybody to know that wherever you are in the liberty movement actually i have been impressed with how quickly people have to ask these questions 
So, you know, I have heard th for the last three years from virtually every liberty group the question about what are we going to do about education. So I, I don't want my child to go to school and be told a whole bunch of things that are lies and then be told, don't tell your parents and then come home and that be our family experience. I don't want my children any longer putting on masks on their face arbitrarily, even though we've proven a hundredfold that masks don't work, even though it dehumanizes children. So we've heard virtually, like we've heard of people, you know, kind of creating uh, uh, pods, um, homeschooling co-ops, um, people trying to start their own schools. Of course, I get to chuckle a little bit because this is where credit due, um, uh, the Christian community has been homeschooling for a long time. Christian community has been running uh, Christian schools for a long time. Christians actually in Canada and in the United States have understood for a long time the power of education. It, unfortunately, it's not the majority. Can um, I, ju I just so want to throw a stat out there um, while you're on the topic of schooling. People are, are noticing this because homeschooling, uh, I think in Canada, I'd have to double check this, but I think in Canada, homeschooling went from like 3% of the population all the way up to 11% uh, during the pandemic period. And so I do have to uh, applaud your nuance there that yes, maybe people do respond with taking responsibility in a time of crisis when the government is, is floundering. Well, but I do want to, yeah, acknowledge my, my main that. Point, my, 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 my main point is that the Liberty groups are ahead of this. Like your, your, your main analogy is true. If the government pulled out from healthcare, we would have chaos tomorrow. If they just pulled right out of education, we'd have chaos tomorrow. But the, what, what I wanted to do is give honor to the people in the Liberty movement who are all exploring these ideas. And Though that word explore is so important because the, the less of a framework, a theological framework they have that leads to a philosophical understanding of a situation, the less of that that they have, the more they're shooting in the dark. Where for those of us Christians in the liberty movement, we've been able to offer and support them with, no, no, this is what we've been doing for years. And so I do see great hope because these are questions that must be dealt with. That's the other side of things. So many people want to talk about this theoretically, but when a culture comes to crisis, when a country comes to, you know, utter chaos, we are talking about a country that, you know, I was just thinking about this morning, uh, we, I was at a conference right when COVID-19 broke out. And at the beginning of the conference, we were all joking about sniffles. And 10 days later, our country was locked down. And it locked down so hard. It, it was unimaginable, the ridiculous response that our government made. But it, it is unimaginable in, an, in a state of historical constitutionality. It, it's not unimaginable in, oh, now I see what's going on, which is governments all over the world are, are utilizing the powers that they've received during COVID to, to kind of keep building an industry of money making. The, my, my point here is this. If you're thinking about how countries all throughout history like have had to rebuild and they've had to answer these questions. How do we educate? How do we promote industry? How do we um, protect the home? How do we develop property? All of these things have been dealt with in the past, but we've been so lazy on them. So like you said, Tim, the the room if 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 the government pulled out today there might be catastrophe if government pulled out immediately yes there, there's going to obviously need to be some transition but this is nothing new people always have to get back to these basic questions when when god judged sodom and gomorrah then the society around there had to think about how to rebuild and we are we are sodom and gomorrah we are at the bottom there's no more slippery slope Slavery is alive and well today in a way that you couldn't imagine. We are murdering babies. There are men doing sex dances in front of our children. All of our teachers in their industry are so greedy that they mindlessly promote every false ideology, knowing full well that they don't live by those standards. Our society is in collapse. Our baking system is 
uh, locking down uh, bank accounts, uh, trying to create such a such a such a digital authoritarianism. Like we are at the end, and that means that people who are liberty minded have to go back and do all of this hard work. My point is just it has to be done. So we're not doing anything new. And what you and I are trying to return people to is on basis, on, on which basis do we do it? And of course, it is the basis of God's morals applied in ethics and then developed into good policies in a country in these various areas. And that is how we move from revival to reform or from a, a liberty protest to reforming a, 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 a local town. Absolutely. We... When you say that there is no sl more slippery slope, that's what happens when you reach the bottom. Uh, there's there's this notion in Canada among those who are right-leaning, um, right-wing, that there's we need to return to common sense. We hear that among the Conservative Party. We're going to return to common sense. We are going to give Canadians control back of their lives. Um, these are the slogans that people kind of grab onto and they say, good, we're, we're going to right this ship. And I think what we're saying is you don't understand how underwater things are. Okay. It's not about just getting the captain back to the steering wheel. I don't know what the name of the thing is on a big ship. Um, but you know, if the boat is upside down, you know, halfway to Mariana's trench, uh, it doesn't matter who's standing at the wheel. We've got a, we've got a system so underwater and so, um, so corrupt that it, that it requires a, greater work. There is no shortcut. My point is that there is no shortcut um, to the downgrade in which we have, in which we have lived. Um, just a, a quick anecdotal story I heard yesterday. A friend said they, on their street, they had a, uh, a big domestic disturbance occur where the police had to show up and our friend kind of wandered out on the street and began talking with the officer who said, you know, I, I've been a police officer a long time and we, we, we always have these calls, especially on holidays when extended families get together or, you know, people drink a little bit more. Um, but he said, I've just noticed in the last few years, this is now happening every single day. There is just a, we're in a violent culture, a culture riddled with conflict. And this person thankfully had, had the quickness and the, and the courage to just say, this is exactly what it looks like when you abandon God on a wholesale institutional level from top to bottom, when you abandon God, this is what you get. You get violence and strife and death um, and baby murder and drag queens at Boston Pizza. And so what we're dealing with is, and, I, and I, maybe we'll close with this idea, Mike, and I, and I want to put this to our listeners, is that we believe reformation or revival requires confrontation. It requires confrontation. And, and for that, I want to go to this story in uh, 1 Kings 18, where Elijah, in the middle of a drought that God had sent, uh, the rain had stopped. And during the middle of this uh, drought, when God's people were following idols, they were being led astray by false prophets. Uh, God sends Elijah to go confront these prophets who are leading God's people astray. And when he comes up to them, they say to him, oh, I know who you are, Elijah. You're the troubler of Israel. You're that troublemaker who's always talking about morality and God and God's law and true worship. You're those annoying people in the other club who won't stop talking about baby murder. And Elijah says to him, no, I'm not the troubler. You are the troubler because you have abandoned God's law. And so what Elijah does, he says, okay, we're going to set up a competition. You guys go get a bull. We're going to go up to Mount Carmel. Uh, you're each going to get a bull. I'm going to get one. You're going to get one. We're going to prepare it on our altars. You call on your God. I'll call on my God, the God that sends fire. He is the true God. And so the prophets of Baal dance around all morning. They're chanting. Um, after lunch, they begin cutting themselves. Elijah begins mocking them saying, you know, your God, maybe he's on a long journey. Maybe he's going pee in, in the bathroom. Um, you know, maybe you guys need to just work, scream a little bit louder. Maybe he's hard of hearing. And then what happens is they give up. And then right around the time of obligation, um, the time of the sacrifice, Elijah says, okay, let's dig a trench. We're going to soak this bull with water because we're going to prove there's no gimmicks behind this thing. And he soaks the bull with water three times and the water fills the trench. And then Elijah prays to God and says, God, if you are the true God, show these people who you are. And of course, God sends this fire. It consumes the whole offering. It dries up all the water in the trench. And then what happens is the people of God 
turn around and they pursue the prophets of Baal and they go and they slaughter them in the valley. And what, what this is, is a confrontation. We're not calling for civic violence here. just want to be clear about that. That's not our task. But what happens in this story is a confrontation where God's people say, enough is enough. It's time for you to make a decision. It's time for you to confront your vain gods, your vain idols, your vain visions, and you need to turn from them. And that's where revival comes from, where we say, we are left in this trench. We are in the dirt. We are in the slough right now. We are in the filth with the pigs. Our society has become a literal cesspool of homoerotic government propaganda, um, you know, coercive um, freedom killing policies left, right and center in every up and down. So what do we do? Well, our first vision needs to be toward ourselves, toward our own lives and to say what. What vain idols have we lifted up and what do we need to confront if we want to go forward in this liberty movement? And so I'm going to tie it back to my opening thought and then, Mike, I'll give you kind of some time for closing reflection. But when we talk about Chris Skye and Tamara Leach and all of these co-belligerents who we have linked arms with in order to fight against government overreach, and we've been proud to do so, we also want to hopefully shape the future of the liberty movement by saying it is found only in confronting sin, confronting our immorality and turning to God as the source of the structure that our society needs that we can live in a free condition. And then we need to make sure that our lives are filled with the things that freedom is meant for, which is work, worship, industry, security, responsibility, all those things. So that would be my thesis and I hope as the other club um, evolves, we can, we can look at those things more directly and all other aspects of life. But Mike, I'd love to hear your reflection kind of on, on that thesis and the idea of confronting um, our idols and so forth. Well, this is just where, this is just where our behavior is just so obviously countercultural to what Christendom has been in Canada for the last 30 years. So there's been three ideas that have led Canadian Christians astray. The, the first idea of neutrality, that the news is neutral, that the government is neutral, that, that the average human being is neutral. And, and what that, what it actually is, and of course our listeners have heard me say this a hundred times, is it's actually a subtle proclamation of secular humanism, that it is this subtle belief that all humans are good. The government's good. The news is good. My local MP is just like me, Christian or not, Christian or not, he knows, you know. Now, the irony is, that the, the next thing that has led us astray, there's this been this evangelistic tactic or this false doctrine that have said, actually, they just don't, they, they, they're not responsible for what they're doing. So on one hand, we go, everybody's okay. Everybody's good. Everyone's the same. The, the MP out there knows as much as I do, even though he's not a Christian. Then in the next breath, you have a competing, conflicting idea that you go, okay, great. Well, if everybody's the same, then we can hold them to the standards of scripture. And then they go, no, 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 no. We have Andy Stanley being a complete knob saying these are family commands, not commands for outside of the family. So you, you've got this, uh, totally, um, uh, bipolar Christianity, Christianity that on one hand gives uh, humanity too much credit. And then in the next minute says, if you want to engage on a topic, well, you can't hold them to, to God's standards. So, so, and then, and then the third thing has been our tactic of evangelism, which is again, just please everybody just, oh, just make sure everyone feels good. Treat, you know, treat them like royalty rather than treating Christ as royalty and them as uh, you know, common peasants like the rest of us. And so when you come to this idea of confrontation, Tim, you correct all of that at the same time. So I like I, your, your confront your idea of confrontation is true because this is what God does to us. He confronts us. Number one, he confronts us that we're all sinners. We're all, I'll die a sinner not a punished sinner, but I'll die someone who has 
uh, an old self that needs to be dealt with all the time. Number two, it says, yeah, the gospel says, yes, everyone gets get, gets treated by the same standard. And number three, uh, our evangelism tactics are to preach the gospel, which includes a confrontation of sin, then the good news of Christ. So, so confrontation washes away all of the dirt and garbage that we've been believing. Now, of course, we do that with a good Christian heart with it, with it, with a mind for calling people to repentance. So jump in here, Tim, before we move on. This is, a, this is the part that people don't like because what we want is eternal co-belligerency. <clears throat> we want to link arms to tell the government to go away and we have fun doing it. Um, and of course, telling them to go away is a euphemism for giving Christian discipleship to the state by saying, hey, state, you're, you're overreaching here. Um, Antichrist in his ruined documentary, a fantastic piece that lays out that thesis. And it's fun. You know, we marched on the Supreme Court together on the, when Canada Day was canceled because of um, <clears throat> sympathy toward this, uh, the, the, the grave uh, what I would now basically call a hoax that took place. We had fun engaging in this co-belligerency, but the awkward part comes where we are left to govern. What happens if we are left to govern? And that's when our worldviews really come to clash. Well, what should we build on? And that's when we say to our co-belligerents, well, you're living in a moral lifestyle. You're an adulterer. You're a fornicator. You are a murderer. You are a rebel. You are, you are undisciplined. You are a glutton, right? There, there's so many ways that we, in, we indulge the self under the pretense of liberty. And I think what I've appreciated you pointed out is to say, uh, we confront those things that we have been harboring. We confront them in our own hearts. And, and I'm, I'm proud to say, although I have a long way to go, my life has become much more disciplined in my family life since what took place three years ago unfolded because I have recognized if I'm leading my children to be free Christians, they need to have their hearts and minds filled with that, which is true so that when they are confronted with things, they not only confront them and, and correct them, but they replace them with the truth. Um, and so hey, I, and if I can jump in, that's there, hard. That's not really fun for to, Canadians like, to do this to confront Sorry, go ahead. Well, and, and that has to happen through structure. Yeah. So if you want to, it, it's going to happen through an educational structure, a, a structure of family discipline and family priorities. It's going to happen through instructional times. It's going to happen through recreational times. All, all of these things happen, and you actually just have to plan it out. And this is where the church has been lazy, and this is where the hard work is ahead. It, you know, whether you create a dual society that finally becomes so attractive that other people ask you to participate, or you create a dual society just because you have to to survive, or whether or not we have great influence to change things, it, it, the, the, I, we got to come up with a phrase that is opposite of the devil is in the details, because the reality of it is is. The devil is in the big concept idea that ignores the details. The devil's in that great concept idea that says, oh, you're mad at her. Yeah, go, go have an affair. Don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. You know, uh, there, there'll be no consequences. The devil's not in the details. The details of you go out, you get a sexually transmitted disease, you're, you break your wife's heart, your children's look at you with eyes that that leads to financial ruin. Uh, there's an actual dissolving of the deed and a sell selling of a house. Like it always comes down to application. This is why pastoral theology or practical theology is so important. And this is why pastors have to get out of the, get out of the high faluting debates of high theology all the time. And, and if you find some friends who can, can agree with your categories up here. Okay. Leave them and stop being children back in seminary, arguing about baptism. And let's move on to like, what do we think of capital punishment or property rights or local taxation? And how do yep. we as, as spiritual social leaders do something about it? And, and, and so 
this is where hmm. we got to come up with a better phrase. Somebody that, that somebody come up with we'll a better work on phrase. It. The devil is in the details. It's got to be like I'll work on it. The devil hates the details, or the devil dies yeah. in the details, or forget about well, talking in to fairness, the devil altogether. In fairness, and I'm going to score some points here for the King of Nuance title. Um, I think what that phrase is saying is that where people trip up is in the details. So in in a way, it totally is what you're saying, which is that, hey, if you've got a great idea, where you will fail is in not recognizing the details of your decision. Yeah, so we have to come Hence up with the other side the of that devil. coin. So that if one of our kids sure. comes and says, oh, I, I ripped up the garden yesterday after you told me not to, and I let off firecrackers, and you go, ah, devil's in the details. Okay, that's, you got caught. Okay, we gotta come up with the positive one that's like God's glory is in the guts of the thing or something like that. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Mike, as we're wrapping this up, I, 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 my thoughts are crystallizing as you're putting this together because you're right that Christians have flocked to the leftist vision for society and it's because they've presented a structure. I think that's what we, we need to recognize some of the fault that does lie with the church, with the with Christian leaders who have said, what are we going to do about this? Because you're right. We have kept our debates around things that are theologically important um, and pertain to worship and so forth. But we have been absolutely um, inept in terms of presenting a vision for society and a structure for families and an, and an economic vision for people who are starting businesses or what have you. And so what are we going to do? We need to hammer out instruction and discipleship for people to say, this is a Christian way to run your business. This is a Christian way to educate your kids. This is a Christian way to run the state. We believe that these things are the work of a Christian man and woman. This is, the, this is literally the work that we've been given to do by Jesus Christ. It is not perfect your doctrinal statement for its own sake. It is let your Christian instruction lead to Christian action and and if and if you're hearing this and you're not a, and if you stayed with us this long with this much talk about the Lord and the Bible, very thankful that you have. And if you're wondering, these guys really seem to be evangelizing me. Yes, we are. We are saying if you want to have this vision for 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 society for your family, you must do it according to God's authority. You must do it according to His law. You must do it in this way. And you know what? God will receive you today to do it. You know, there's not an application process. There's not a vetting process. You come to him by faith. You confess and confront your sin and you say, I don't want to live in this futile way anymore. And God will wipe that away. He will give you a new heart and he'll put the spirit of God within you and he will put you into service and action for him. So these are intimately connected. And yes, we are evangelizing. Yes, we are proselytizing and trying to convert you because we do believe that Canada desperately needs converted men and women in order to return to liberty. We believe this for Pierre, Pierre Polyev. We believe this for Maxime Bernier. We believe in the necessity of salvation for Justin Trudeau. If he is ever to have a hope of governing in a way that doesn't destroy the country. Uh, so, yeah, we're not trying to be subtle about this. And if you're already a Christian and listening, what we want you to hear is think through these things and, and hammer them out and start practicing. You're going to mess up and it's not going to be perfect, but start practicing it and get out there and take some risks in asserting and try to apply these principles. And I, I think that's what the other club is going to be doing is saying, let's go through this subject and let's talk about how we can exercise dominion over this and exercise it in a Christian way. Um, hopefully that's helpful reflection. Um, and uh, Mike, uh, if there's anything you want to respond with, I'll give you time now too. Yeah. I just want to say that when we start talking about structures, a lot of people get overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is, is that, God has given us 10 basic commands. I was mm. talking about this over on the Ezra podcast. We were talking about the third command and you can basically write any good policy or any good ethic. If you reflect on, does this policy that I'm writing fall in line with these 10 commands not to, and of course, um, even summarized uh, by two commands, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, love your neighbor as yourself has just been terribly abused. So you have to go back to the actual scriptures as to what that means. Mm 
but you know is this policy robbing from anybody is this policy um lying about any any anyone in particular so any critical race policy that just that 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 begins with the premise that we have evolved from apes is a lying policy and should be rejected by a christian um any 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 policy that would say that there are multiple races on the earth should be rejected outright we are all created in god's image we have different ethnic differences because of where we've grown up but those those are skin deep issues they're 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 if we are honoring one another by our value yeah so you can really get a lot done in the real world you know am i disciplining my kid right now in order that they honor their father and mother or am i lying to them by making little stupid excuses as to why they can become you know a tyrant uh dictator in my home like everything comes back so often to us breaching those commands or upholding them and use them and they're good and that is how you start to get to structural reform so tim you kind of introed us i'm gonna exit us everybody thank you so much for listening you are listening to the other club we are so glad that matthew and andrew are 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 carrying the torch of the liberty dispatch so well and we want to promote that show. Uh, everybody, once in a while, Tim is going to be leading the whole crew in a Liberty Lounge. And so you want to be looking for those ahead. Um, everyone, you want to be thinking about um, listening to Open Mic with Michael Tyson. I'm still doing great interviews over there. So we've got a, a, a number of shows here to serve you. And this has been uh, an absolutely good show. Tim is texting me to close out with a Churchill quote. So here we go, everybody. Men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing had happened. Wow, that is totally true. So don't do that in your parenting. Don't do that in your politicking. Don't do that in your medicine. Don't do that in your podcast productions and, and, and your running of your liberty movements. Don't stumble over the truth uh, and then hurry off as if nothing happened. We, we thank you for listening to The Other Club. Everybody, greetings and salutations. <laughs>